title of the message this morning, A Steadfast Heart. And we'll see that with David in this really very prophetic psalm, a lot of prophecy in this psalm, and a lot of great edification and exhortations as well. I think a lot of truth here to help equip us. Interesting about this psalm, this psalm has been called a piece of patchwork by many commentators. And interesting in in opening a few commentaries, if you ever look at Psalm 108, there's very little commentary in commentaries when you open up Psalm 108. And the reason for that is that Psalm 108 really is the same as some verses found in Psalm 57 and then Psalm 60, and they're taken together and we get Psalm 108. As a result of that, there are, I was kind of surprised that there's many that kind of downplay the psalm because it is a repetition of things that have been said before. But I really think we should take the exact opposite approach because the Lord pressed David to pin this again and the fact that it's repeated a second time should make us all the more pay attention and take note of what's being said here. Because let's remember David is described as a man after God's own heart really the psalmist of Israel, and God moved him to pin these things a second time. It wasn't David saying, I got to have another hit song, and I'm kind of in a dry spell. So, you know, a DJ doing a remix here, it's not that at all. God moved him to pin these things. And so let's pray the Lord will move us today to not only read, but to hear and to keep these words. We're just going to start into, and in fact, let's read the psalm together. It's 13 verses. We've been having these you know, at 44 and 46 long psalms. And so let's read the 13 psalms or the 13 verses together. I really enjoy when we can do that. And then we're gonna make our way down through here. We're gonna see the first six verses. Again, it goes along with these exhortations to give thanks to God, to give praise to God. And then verse seven through 13, it's very prophetic. And it is prophecy that is even, you know, in play today and prophecies that are about to be fulfilled in the very near future. It says a song, a psalm of David. O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise, even with my glory. Awake, lute and heart. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. Excuse me, I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your mercy is great above the heavens. And your truth reaches the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and your glory above all the earth, that your beloved may be delivered. Save with your right hand and hear me. God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem. I will measure out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the helmet of my head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. Over Edom, I will cast my shoe. Over Philistine, I will triumph. Who will bring me into you, the strong city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, who cast us off? And you, O God, who did not go out with our armies? Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Though God will do valiantly, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies." Notice how he starts here. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. You know, I, I love the, the fact that in the scripture, there's so many men and women, we get to see the totality of their life. We get to see them at times from birth to passing away at 
an elderly age. Or like in David's case, we get to see him from most likely a, a, a young teenager when we first see him on the pages of scripture when Samuel goes to anoint the next king of Israel and goes to Jesse's house. And remember the older brothers are brought out and David's out in the field tending to the sheep and he ends up being the one that God has a call on, the one that again God spoke concerning that I'll find a king or I'll raise up a king with you know at a heart after me and we see him at that young age really again with a zeal for the lord a steadfastness which we'll talk more about here that word for the lord and then we get to watch him throughout his life we get to watch him you know what as he rises up the ranks quickly and god uses him to go out and slay that giant just as a young man we get to see him when the king of Israel at that time, instead of looking at David as a blessing and a great asset, begins to be jealous against him and have a contempt against him and begins to persecute him. And, you know, we read of those accounts where Saul chucks spears at him and tries to kill him, you know, and then he's led out into the wilderness for 10 years for a difficult time. And yet, in those times, we see him continuing on with the Lord. And then eventually, you know, the prophecies being fulfilled of him becoming, first of all, the king of Judah, and then the king of all Israel, many years later after those things have been prophesied. We get to watch him through all of those years of being king. I think it's 40 years as king of Judah, and then 33 years as the king of Israel and, you know, 40 years altogether, but seven in those 33. And we see ups and downs and setbacks and blessings and victories and defeats. But one thing you see with David, and there's some seasons of chastening as well, where, you know what, we see God's faithfulness. But overall, you look at this man's life with all the ups and downs, and we see him from a teenager to, again, as an old man, where, remember, he's, he's just cold everywhere he goes. And, and, you know, he needs someone just to keep him warm at night because he's just at the place of getting ready to go be with the Lord. And one thing we see with David through all of it is a steadfast, a steadfast heart towards God, a continuing towards God, a moving towards the Lord. And I think it's so important because listen, if you walk with the Lord for more than a season, you start stacking up years, you see people come and you see people go. Now, I don't know all those people's hearts and I don't know, you know, how many of those folks go out from the body of Christ because they were never a part of the body of Christ spoken of there in 1 John. And I don't know how many of those folks are maybe prodigals who lose their way, but they have a saving faith and God's faithful to chasten them and to get their attention when they wake up that one day and they're like, what am I doing eating the, you know what, with, well, what I'm doing with the pigs desiring their, the pods that they're eating when my father's house is so much better. And many of us have been that prodigal before, have we not? But listen, you see people come and go, but it's a, it's a glorious thing when you see someone with a steadfast walk. When you see people that, you know what, years start coming under their belt and they keep pressing on. They don't come to that place where they're like, well, you know, I'm retiring from serving the Lord. Or I'm trying to step away. I've, I've done enough or so forth. But they're steadfast. They continue and so forth. And let me tell you, a steadfast heart is desperately needed in following the Lord. Because absolutely he's with us every step along the way. But every step along the way, there's oppositions. 
And every step along the way, we got a call to maturity to grow. So there will be trials and tribulations and, you know, we'll be taken to the Lord's gym, so to speak. And when we have those seasons when we're not bearing fruit, the Lord will absolutely tend to us like that tree that wasn't bearing fruit. And remember, he goes in and digs up around the roots and brings in that manure to try to stir up some fresh growth and so forth. And I'll tell you, in the days we're living in, I know in the days of my life, more than any other the days of my life, we need a steadfast spirit, a steadfast heart, a steadfast walk with the Lord. Because on top of even all those trials and tribulations, so many temptations, the cares of the world, the philosophies of man and doctrines of demons that even seem to be flooding the church that, you know what, I'll watch in time and these things come in that they're not, they're not biblical. People get excited and then after a while you see them begin to rot people away. You see it begin to affect their walk. You start seeing them lose their zeal and their passion for the Lord. But with David, again, he had a steadfast heart towards the Lord and David's not saying this out of a boast. But David is saying this as the Spirit of God is moving on him to pin this. And I believe he's moving on him to pin this because God's communicating to us. He wants to have us, us to have a steadfast heart after him. And he wants, to, he wants to help us have that heart. Now listen, to have a steadfast heart, or the word steadfast, it means a faithful heart. It means a constant heart. It means, I love this, a firmly loyal heart, a fixed heart an unchanging heart, an immovable heart. I love this, not subject, subjected to change. So it's this heart that says, I love the Lord. I want to walk with the Lord. I want to walk according to the word of God. And listen, I'm not subject to change. Yes, we're subject to grow. We're subject to learn. We're subject to grow in the knowledge of God, knowing God and knowing about God, absolutely. But as far as walking with the Lord and walking with God, what God has called me to, I will not change. I will not be moved. I will be fundamental. My eyes will be upon the Lord. I won't turn to the right or the left. I'm moving forward with Jesus Christ. We need that today. Listen, the church desperately needs that today. Christianum needs to get back to that today. We follow the Lord. We walk according to his word. We judge the things around us. We test the things around us by the scriptures. What does God say? That's what we want to walk in. And let me tell you, that will serve you well in life. That is where life is found. Abundant life is found in that steadfast walk with the Lord. Interesting in 2 Timothy 2 one through seven, it really speaks of a steadfast walk, a steadfast heart. Notice what it says there. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And absolutely to have a steadfast heart, we need grace and we need strength and we need grace to give us strength. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who are able to teach others also. So again, a picture of raising up others with a steadfast heart. And then notice the illustrations he uses here. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare engages himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. 
Listen, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer, to be successful in what they are called to do, they have to have a steadfast heart. The farmer has to get out there and till the ground and pull the weeds and water the veggies if they need watering and so forth. You got to be constant in driving out the bugs and the varmints and so forth. And you have to be steadfast when, again, the seeds are planted and there's nothing that is growing yet. You have to be patient when they start to bring forth, you know what, the green out of the land and then start to get bigger. Then you start to see those vegetables, but you got to wait. You got to be patient. You got to be steadfast. And boy, when you're steadfast, though, isn't there great blessings that come out of that? Now, listen, I'm no farmer, but this last year we did plant a garden. And you know what? It was kind of a lazy man's garden because we tended to it and we kind of didn't tend to it, but we tended to it enough. There was enough of a steadfastness to it that it came, you know, in the spring, all of a sudden these zucchinis started coming up out of the, uh, you know, the, why are you guys laughing? You know what I'm talking about, right? And listen, we're to the, it, we've had some freezing nights. We're still getting zucchinis right now. And we're still getting these melons. You know, there's a few of those even still right now. It's, half of it's been pulled out, but it's still going. And, and that was just from a little bit of steadfastness. There's fruit that came out. Listen, God gives us those illustrations for a reason. He's saying, be steadfast with me and you'll see fruit that comes forth. You'll see life-giving things that come forth to the glory of God. A soldier, again, to endure hardship, he has to be steadfast. He has to know why he is doing what he is doing and move forward in what he has been called to do. And an athlete as well has to run according to the the rules, being steadfast in what is before him. God has called us to that. And I just can't encourage you enough in your walk with the Lord, you know what, to take the mindset on of a soldier, a farmer, an athlete. I am set in my following of the Lord because these has to do with things of your soul and your life here and how your life is spent. And there is no better thing or person to live for than for the glory of God and for the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has called us to do. Now listen, continuing steadfastly absolutely revolves around the heart. That's why David says, doesn't just say, you know what, I'm steadfast. He says, oh God, my heart is steadfast. And I tell you, we need to watch our hearts. We really do. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence. Are you doing that this morning? Keeping your heart, your mind, your soul, those things are all kind of knit together with a diligence where you're examining your heart. You're looking what's going into your heart. You're seeing what's coming out of your heart. You're monitoring that. You're watching that and so forth. Not that we're overly focused on ourselves. We want our main focus to be upon the Lord, but we need to be wise in watching our heart. Again, what's going in and what's coming out? Because notice it says, for out of it springs the issues of life. And then notice this instruction here, and it goes along with, this steadfast heart, this steadfast walk. Put away, from you, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look, notice here, straight ahead. It's a picture of steadfastness and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Because again, it's absolutely easy to go astray. Listen, we need to beware 
because not only out of our heart springs the issues of life, but also our heart can easily deceive us. We want to make sure, again, when we're examining our hearts, examining our lives, we're, we're not going by feelings. Well, I feel like I got a steadfast walk with the Lord. I feel like I got a heart after the Lord. And I'm not completely downplaying feelings, but really what we need to look at are our fruits, the doctrines of our life. Again, doctrine's a huge thing. First Timothy 4.16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Notice, take heed to yourself. He's not saying take heed to your feelings. Well, how do I feel? You know, how do I feel? Am I, am I doing? But again, what's coming out of me? What's the fruit of my life? Am I bringing glory to God? You know, am, am I growing in love or the fruits of the spirit of my life? Or am I just marked by the, the works of the flesh? And then my doctrine, is it sound? Is it biblical? You know, it is in line with the historical faith of believers for the last 2,000 years. We need to know that and understand that. There's a consistency with those that are born again, that know Jesus Christ since his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And it lines up with the holy word of God. I'll tell you, we stray away from scripture, we're straying away from the Lord. We're straying away from, again, a walk that's bearing fruit. We're, stay, we're straying away from the Lord. It's easy to drift. Notice or Hebrews 2, 1. It says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to these things we've heard, lest we drift away. And so it's this idea of being careful with what we're hearing, with what's coming out of our lives, with what we're believing and so forth that our eyes are set upon him, that we understand that, listen, there's management that has to go on. Again, we go back to a soldier in any war, there's management that has to take place. An athlete has to monitor his body and his training and so forth. A farmer, again, has to monitor that land. They're watching that and so forth. We need to monitor our lives. Is my heart really steadfast after the Lord? And I'll tell you, we need to do this more today than any other time and again we'll have more emphasis on this as we go through this because in a bit we're going to get to prophecies that even pertain to this day that we're in that pertain to the end of the age and the soon coming of the lord jesus christ listen this isn't time to be drifting this isn't a time to you know what go to sleep with your walk with the lord this isn't a time to take on apathy and lukewarmness and so forth This is the time all the more to get your eyes on the Lord, to be steadfast in God. It's not the time to say, well, COVID's, you know, it's all kind of gone and down away now. It's kind of there, but it's not. So I can kind of go back just to living a lukewarm life. No, all the more upward and forward in the Lord Jesus Christ. All the more, let's move forward in him. And again, we read the word where it talks about the days we're living in. And it talks about the hearts of men. And these are things that can easily affect us if we don't have a steadfast heart after him. I think we looked at this verse recently, but I'll read it again. Luke 21, 25, the Lord talking about the end of the age. He said, there'll be signs in the sun and the moon, the stars, and on the earth distresses of nations with perplexities and the seas and the waves roaring. And then verse 26, I see it played out all the time. Men's hearts failing them from fear. And the expectations of the things which are coming on the earth for powers of the heaven will be shaken. 
And you just see it, men's hearts failing them all over the place, not from what's just going on, but the expectation of what is going to come next. And let me tell you, a remedy to that, the remedy to that is having a steadfast heart after the Lord eyes upon the Lord because listen when we're in that place then that knowledge that God is with me to the end of the age resonates in my heart in my life scriptures like Romans eight twenty eight, he works all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes resonate in my heart listen that strength that we're receiving from the Lord it's evident it's apparent And so our hearts don't fail us from fear of what's going to come upon the earth. Our hearts are strengthened from a fear of God, a reverence of God, an acknowledgement of God Almighty. We also know that Jesus said about the heart in Matthew 24, 12, in the days we're living in, these last days, he says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And boy, we see that today. There's a lawlessness that is abounding in our land. It's just seen all over the place. A disregard for the laws of God, really even a disregard for the laws of nature, a disregard for laws of governments and so forth. And you see as a result of it, the love of many growing cold, a love of God growing cold, a love of the truth growing cold, a love of others growing cold. We don't want to fall into that place. I'll tell you how you combat that. Maybe you look at your life and you're like, I'm not loving people as I used to love them. I don't have the patience I used to have with people. That's all going out the door. And my love for the Lord begins to, seems to be waning. Again, we got to get back to a steadfastness in following him. Get back to the scriptures, eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him to soften our hearts and not follow the trend of this world of hearts that are growing cold. We read as well about the church. We read in Revelation 3.15 where the Lord says to the church of Laodicea, which very much seems to be the end times church, and it seems to be the end times church that's influenced by the end times world, and that's not a good thing. He says, I know your works, you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'm gonna vomit you out of my mouth. And again, this is a church that did not have a steadfast heart. We talked about this many a times. Laodicea means opinion. So they take a man's opinion. Man's opinion from a fallen world that has a love a love problem their love's growing cold love for truth god for others and it comes into the church and then the church takes the opinion of god and the word of god and mixes them and what comes forth is a lukewarm product that the lord says i'm going to spit that out of my mouth it's not a steadfast church it's not a church that says we're going to stand in truth we want to be on fire we want our eyes upon the lord and then the lord goes through you know a, a, a teaching to them counseling them to repent he's saying it doesn't have to be this way he says i stand at the door and knock and if you open the door i'll open it up and i'll come in and dine with you again i will renew a steadfastness for me within you and we want that and then notice as well going back to the farmer and we'll move forward here but james 5 7 
He says, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And then notice, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, waiting patiently until it receives the early and latter rain. And then listen, this is encouragement. You also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The coming of the Lord is at hand. It's a time for us not to shrink back, but to stand with David and say, I have a steadfast heart towards God. I want a steadfast heart towards God. God, give me a steadfast heart towards you. Notice what he says next. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Notice what he says here, I will sing and give praise. That's huge. The word will's huge here. He doesn't say, you know what, I might sing and give praise. If I feel like it, I'll sing and give praise. Let me ask you this morning, as you were coming to church here this morning, and maybe you didn't think about this, but as you step back and look at your heart, and even in our time of worship and praise and so forth, was your mindset, I'm going to worship and sing and give praise to God no matter how I feel today, no matter what's going on? Or was it a thing where I like this song, so I'll sing it? Ah, this one, I don't really feel like singing along, so I won't. And again, listen, we have freedoms in the Lord and so forth, not trying to bring a legalism, but I'll tell you, I want to have a heart that says, I will sing and give praise to God. If I feel like it, if I don't feel like it, if I'm having a good day, if I'm having a bad day, I'm going to praise my God. And let me tell you, a heart that says I will sing and I will give praise is a heart that God fuels with a fire of steadfastness. That's what steadfastness is marked by. Even if I don't feel like it, I'm going to give praise to the Lord. I love Habakkuk 3.17, going back to kind of the farming theme and so forth. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock may cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. So he's just saying, everything's collapsed. The economy's a collapse, nothing's growing. I don't got, you know what, warm fuzzies and fillings and so forth. Everybody has their, you know what, their, their, uh, gloom and doom face on and so forth but notice verse 18 yet i will rejoice in the lord i will rejoice in the lord i will joy in the god of my salvation and notice what he says the lord god is my strength he will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on high hills so even though all this is depressed around me i will praise god and notice god will strengthen me God will give me a steadfast heart through it all. And then I love what he says here, even with my glory. So in other words, even in the things that I can glory in, I'm gonna give glory to God. And if any man could have ever gloried in his personal victories, it was absolutely King David. Again, as that young man, when he went out and he defeated Goliath, songs were written about him. Remember that song that King Saul hated? He loved how it started, Saul has slain thousands. And oh, you know, I like how how the song sounded. And then it says, and David, tens of thousands. Can you imagine that being sung about you as a teenager? Especially when your king's head and shoulders above everyone else and supposed to be this great warrior. Saul slain thousands, 
But David, tens of thousands. It stirred Saul to want to kill David. I hate, he probably, I hate, quit playing that song and so forth. And they sing the praises of David, but you never hear David singing that song, do you? David sing the praises of the Lord. Written at least half the Psalms that we read. He says, I'm gonna glory in God in my victory. Even in that victory that he had, he went out with a humble heart before the Lord. And that's why God exalted him. And as God exalted him, what did David do? David all the more exalted the Lord. Remember Saul says, you know what? Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Believe it or not, that was some nasty sling back then. If you understand what a, you know, in an illustration of what a dog is in the Old Testament, we won't get into that this morning. And David says, I, I come to you in the name of God. I'm coming, out, I'm coming at you because God is going before me. And in that humility and that steadfastness, he was exalted, but as he was exalted, all the more he gave glory to God. Let's give God glory in our glory, amen? When we have successes and victories, let's give the glory to him and really ask the Lord to help us with that steadfastness to stay in that place. Verse two, he says, awake, lute and heart. I will awaken the dawn. So in other words, wake up and praise God. Use your mouth, use your instruments. You're like, I can't play an instrument, but you can clap your hands, can't you? Use those prophetically to bring praise to God. And let me tell you, when we do that in a dark world, when we say, let's have a steadfast heart after the Lord, let's worship the Lord, let's wake up and give glory to God Almighty. Look at the, the dawn isn't going to awaken. The, the culture's not going to awaken if the church doesn't first awaken. That we don't first say, it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to get going. It's time for us, listen, to do as they did in Acts 4 in, in the midst of difficult. They gathered together and they worshiped and they praised God. And then they were filled afresh with the Spirit of God and they had a boldness to go out and represent the Lord. We need to wake up. We're charged to wake up throughout the scriptures. Notice Romans 13, 11. Do this knowing the time. Hear this. Then now it's high time to awake out of sleep. Are you asleep with your walk with the Lord? Have you gotten away from a steadfast heart after God? Or maybe you're in the place where like, I've never really had that. I've acknowledged Jesus as Lord, but then someone said, you know what, temper that fire. You know what, we don't need that around here. Don't listen to that. It's time to get on fire for the Lord, to have a steadfast heart after him. Now's the time. In fact, it says, now it's high time to awake out of sleep. How much more is it high time a few thousand years later after this was written? If it was high time then, it's 10 times that now. It's high time to awake out of sleep. For now your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. So in other words, our lives are getting shorter in the sense of the calendar, days are getting scratched off. Now some may have, I, I don't, you know what, I'm, I'm no prophet, I don't know the future. I know the Lord is coming and I know our day is like a shadow, but one thing we know is true and I can prophesy is that we have a week less than we had last week. And if we get to this, through this day, tomorrow we'll have one less day. And so we want to wake up now. It's where Jesus said, you know what? It's time for me to serve God now. The time's coming, night's coming when one can't do work. It's time to work now. 
In fact, he says, for now our salvation is near when we first believe. And then notice the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So no more snoozing, no more naps. It's time to absolutely put on Christ and say, I want to have a steadfast heart after the Lord. And I tell you, the Lord will always meet you in that place. He absolutely will. Verse three, again, I will praise you, O Lord, among the people, that word will. And I will sing praises to you among the nations. This is not only a declaration from David, it's an exhortation to us. Let's praise him in the assemblies of the people like we are this morning. And let's absolutely give him praise out in the nations or out in the world. It's so important that we're unashamed of the gospel of the Lord. That we don't care about man's fallen opinion of us when it comes to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we should care if we're not exhibiting the fruits of the spirit of God. Absolutely, we should be concerned about that. But when it comes to our faith, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes for standing for truth that the world needs to hear, we got a world that's in bondage. And listen, what they don't need is us clamming up when it comes to declaring the praises of God and the truth of God. That's not loving them. They need to hear us lovingly and unashamedly speaking of Jesus and speaking of the word of God. The Lord said in Mark 8, 38, who's ever ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in glory of his father with his holy angels, all the more to have a steadfast heart to be ashamed of truth, to be unashamed of the word of God. And interesting, he says, in an adulterous and sinful generation. And let's face it, some generations are more adulterous and sinful than others in the sense of, again, we've talked about this many times, the, the, you, you know, you look at the nations and they'll have their glory days and oftentimes it's times when there, there's a shame when it comes to sin. And then when a nation becomes unashamed of sin and then when we begin parading sin and say i'm proud of sin then judgment is really coming and it becomes an outward wicked nation and we're told don't be ashamed of me and my word when you're in that place because there's going to be a lot of pressure for you to do that there's going to be a lot of things thrown your way if you say i'm ashamed of the gospel i'm unashamed of the word but it's all the more we need to have a steadfast heart in that because listen, even in that wicked generation, there's a remnant of people that God is calling out to himself, which included us. Listen, we're in a wicked generation ourselves, but God's been patient and has brought us into salvation. And so all the more, again, let's sing his praises. Let's sing it amongst the people. I think there's a side note here. Listen, I understand in this day, hiding out is very appealing. I don't want to be around any people. I just want to go hide out. Anyone ever have days like that, you know? In fact, there's a psalm where the psalmist says, if I had wings like a dove, I would just fly away. I'd go hide. That's very appealing, but hear this. It's very unbiblical. Yes, we need time alone with the Lord, but God has put us here to be around people. People need to hear about Jesus, and he's put us here to do that. And all the more, listen, 
all the more in a free land. We, we, we still have great liberties. You can still go down the street and give praise to God in this land without someone coming and arresting you and so forth. And even, listen, even in COVID, I'm convinced, even, you know, in, in North America where they showed certain arrests and so forth, a lot of that was just gaslighting. A lot of that was just, you know what, uh, a, a theater to try to get people to shrink back and so forth. Oh boy, you know, what's gonna happen? Listen, even if that happens, God's gonna go before me. I need to be amongst the people. I need to be giving praise to God. Don't let the threats of the enemy bring fear to your heart. Fear God and absolutely sing of his praises and speak of his goodness to a world that desperately, desperately needs him. Verse four, for your mercy is great above the heavens and your truth reaches the clouds. There's a lot of mercy. We've talked a lot about mercy the last three, four weeks or so here in the Psalms. But let me tell you, if you're doubting the mercy of God, just look around and you'll see it all over the place. Mercy's not getting what you deserve. I had a lot of people, a lot of people say, boy, you know what, if Proposition 1 passes, California's gonna break off the main, the main you know, at the mainland and we're gonna sink in the ocean. We haven't done that yet, have we? This in Montana is still standing as well. I kind of laugh. Well, I didn't laugh at this, but I just thought, there you go. I, I hear of so many people saying, I got to get out of California. It's just, it's just too evil. And I got these different states that I want to run to thinking that, you know, it's like the kingdom of God or heaven's there. If, someone's, if God's leading you, like I say, always be led, but make sure you don't get there and go, oh no, I fled. And I know Montana is one of those states, kind of, you know, these, the, the, the top 10 or whatever. I'm going to Montana. I'm going to Montana. Listen, Montana needs as much prayer as California because listen to Montana. This was passed. Montana voters have rejected a legislative referendum that raised the prospect of criminal charges for healthcare providers unless they take all medically appropriate and reasonable actions to preserve the life of an infant born alive, including after an attempted abortion. So they said if a baby's born alive and the doctor walks away or the nurse walks away, if a baby survives abortion, we're not gonna go after them criminally. That's evil. Let me ask you this. How many people would have voted this if they said if you're over 18 and you get in a car wreck and they don't take all the precautions, do everything they can to save you, they walk away, we're not gonna charge them with anything criminal. Look, at there's oaths when you get into the medical field that you're gonna do all you can do to keep someone alive. I guarantee that probably would have lost, you know, at 100%. But instead, in this great conservative place, and look at, I like it when I get an opportunity to bag on those states because my state gets bagged on so much. Because I'll even look at Prop 1 here, which is a, just a, a wicked proposition, but it, was, it wasn't worded like this. It was worded as healthcare for women, very deceitfully worded. No, that's about a massacre upon babies is what that's about. Nothing to do with healthcare for women. That's not a healthy thing for women. Listen, I know many women can attest to that and praise God, we serve the God of heals and forgives and restores and absolutely come to him and get that restoration of life from the Lord Jesus Christ. But again, you see California still here. You see Montana still there. That's the mercy of God. His mercies reaches the heavens and his truth reaches the cloud. But I'll tell you this, don't take his mercy for granted. Because listen, the more you take his mercy for granted, the more you abuse his mercy, 
the more you store up his wrath. And California might still be, you know, connected to the mainland today, but I don't know what tomorrow holds. And our nation, you know, it is still getting along today, but this nation is different than so many others because it was founded on Christian truth. That's a great blessing from the Lord. And the more you start abusing his mercy, the more his wrath stacks up and eventually judgment comes. Not my opinion, it's the word of God. Romans 2, 4, do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering? Not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance, but accordance with the hardness of your impotent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath on the day of wrath and the revelation of righteous judgment of God. And so in other words, all this goodness, even God letting us wake up again today in California, it's God being long-suffering. It's God being merciful. It's God being good to us and wanting people to repent. His kindness there to lead us to repentance. But he says here again, make no mistake, you don't respond to that, you're treasuring up wrath. Listen, read through Revelation read through end times prophecy, even read through history and see what happens when a people keep hardening their heart against God Almighty. Eventually the time comes when God who is a just judge brings judgment. Again, his truth is true all the way to the clouds. It never fades, it never changes. It's for every generation. It saves, sets, frees, renews, equips. It edifies, it exhorts, it corrects. It's not to be mocked, it's not to be added to, it's not to be taken away from, and any that do that will give an account. Verse five, be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and your glory above all the earth. And listen, because his mercy reaches the heavens, shouldn't all the more our praise go above the heavens (laughs) to give him glory and honor? It does when we worship in spirit and truth, we've been called to do that. Lord, let us worship you in spirit and truth according to the prescribed manners found of the word. Listen, even in worship, you need a steadfast heart to say, I want to worship God according to the prescribed manner. Throughout scripture, you see strange fire come in. I think of Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's sons, they bring strange fire and worship before the Lord and it was costly to them. They didn't have a steadfast heart. They got bored with the prescribed manner. We, we need something new, exciting, something to stir our feelings up and so forth. And that's fine. Listen, we need our feelings, you know, it's stirred up sometimes. And there should be an excitement about serving and worshiping God. But when it gets outside of the prescribed manner. Listen, there's, a, there's, there, there's consequences that come from that. Because a lot of times you see, again, it's like a sparkler and then it fizzles out because the steadfastness wasn't about the Lord. It became about us and an experience. And carnage gets, you know what, put in the, 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 you know, the, the way of that. A steadfast heart towards the Lord will fuel you, will keep you going, will keep you stirred, will keep you energized, will absolutely keep you bearing fruit, will keep the unction and move of the Spirit of God in your life day after day, you know, year after year, season after season, even, you know, it's century after century in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, verse six, that your beloved may be delivered 
Save with your right hand and hear me. So in other words, again, be exalted, O God, above the heavens and your glory above the earth that your beloved may be delivered. Save with your right hand and hear me. Aren't you blessed that we're his beloved in Christ? And that love has provided deliverance from sin through the cross of Christ. I love Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We're under a damnation on our sin. Jesus lived the sinless life. He went to the cross, bore the wrath to us, laid down his life, died in our place, resurrected from the grave. When we call on his name, we receive deliverance from those things redemption from those things, salvation by his right hand, and absolutely a confidence that he hears me when I cry out to him. Now listen, verse seven, he moves into prophecies. And all the more we wanna have a steadfast heart, even knowing God's prophetic word and even knowing we have God's prophetic word laid out before us. Again, things going on in the world today, they should be to no surprise to the Christian. These things shouldn't make us go, what in the world's going on? We say, oh yeah, that's biblical. This is prophecy unfolding. Yes, on one hand, it's very grieving because so much of it revolves around men's rebellion, bringing in that judgment of God. But it should be very encouraging as well because we know our Lord is coming soon. And even to the very end, there's people who will come to know him. Verse seven through Nine, he says, God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem. I will measure out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the helmet over my head, for my head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. Over Edom, I will cast my shoe. Over Philistia, I will triumph. David rejoices again in this prophetic scripture. And God even rejoices in what he's doing. This is David rejoicing over future victories that God would have for Israel and even over God's faithfulness to Israel. Shechem, the valley of Sukkoth, Gilead, Manasseh, Ephraim, Judah. These were all part of the land of Israel. And God's saying here that, listen, ultimately in the very end, I'm keeping all these things. I'm gonna preserve these things. We know there have been seasons where Israel's not been in that land, but God's been faithful to her. And ultimately he's saying, I'm gonna be victorious and I'm gonna be faithful to my promises of Abraham. It's really, again, going back to Romans 11, verse 26, all Israel will be saved that we spent so much time talking about in our study in Israel. It's the declaration of that. And listen, it's a reminder for us to be steadfast because God is faithful to his promises as well as his prophetic utterances listen at this time jesus had not come yet he had not come and fulfilled his ministry and yet this is a prophetic scripture about him judah is my lawgiver or in other words jesus absolutely the king he is going to come as absolutely prophesied in the word and indeed he did and this also speaks, though, a future victory over the regions of Moab, Edom, and Philistia, which is modern-day Gaza, where the Palestinians are. 
And again, we've talked about this. It comes up over and over. Maybe I'll like, Steve, you talk about this a lot. It comes up in scripture. Have you noticed we go verse by verse? It comes up in scripture over and over and over again. God's faithfulness to Israel, as well as the land deeded to Israel, given to Israel by God, which absolutely includes that Gaza Strip. Now, again, it's not that God chose Israel that all of the rest of man would be trampled on, but God chose her that the Savior would come through, that not only would all Israel be saved, but would God's desire that all the Middle East would be saved. And many of the Middle East are getting saved. And even that all America and even California and the Central Coast would be saved. That's God's desire in that. But he did give specific promises to Israel. Now quickly here, verse 10, he says, who will bring me into the strong city? Who will lead me to Edom? And the strong city of Edom is the rock city of Petra. And again, we've spoken of this many times. Go read the book of Obadiah. It's all about, it's one chapter, y'all. The whole book, go home and read the entire book of Obadiah. It's, It's one chapter. And it's about the descendants of Esau, Edom, the Edomites, And their hardness of heart because they're in this strong city that they say, we're like an eagle up in a nest. No one can penetrate this this, this city. There's one entrance into it. Very difficult to get through. Very easy to protect. For years, listen, for years people mocked the rock city of Petra. They said, this is a made up place. And then late 1800s, it was discovered. And they find this city, this hidden city that can house 2 million people. You can go to this day and marvel at this city that's literally built out of the rocks. You can see pictures online if you've never been there. It's incredible. And he says, who will bring me into the rock city? Who will lead me to Edom? This is Israel speaking here. Now notice verse 11, is, not you, is it not you, O God, who cast us off? And you, O God, who did not go out with our armies, give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. And listen, the day is coming. Israel's very secular today. There's very few Christians in Israel. Even their Judaism is very new age over there for the most part. And we know the day's coming when they're going to make a covenant with a man who they think is the Messiah, the Antichrist. And in the middle of the tribulation, they're going to recognize that he is not Messiah. And they're going to say, listen, we've been cast off. We've put our help in man and the help of man is useless And at that point, they're going to look up and they're going to start groping for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know at that time, we read scripturally that Jesus said in the middle of that tribulation, when there's an abomination of desolation, those in Judea says, flee to the mountains, flee to that rock city of Petra. And absolutely God is going to come in as they put their hope in God, not in this man, not in this antichrist, and God's going to strengthen them to do valiantly. We know from Zechariah 13, 8, one-third of all Israel will be saved, will be preserved, that will be brought to that rock city. They will do valiantly. We read in Revelation 12, 14, that they'll be taken on two wings of a great eagle to this place of wilderness. It lines up with the rock city of Petra. It lines up with this here, being hid in Edom. And then notice here, then the Lord will tread down her enemies. And we read about this in scripture. Isaiah 63 is about the end of the age, the second coming of the Lord. Who is this who comes from Edom with dyed garments of Basra? 
Listen, the second coming of the Lord is not just in the valley of Armageddon. It goes all the way down to Edom, to Jordan. And then in Zechariah, we read about the Lord touching on the Mount of Olives. He's going to come and trample down their enemies, but trample down the enemies of God that will be assembled to try to destroy God, as well as the nation of Israel. And praise God, we know as the church, we're going to come back with the Lord. And absolutely, his enemies will be treaded down. The table set for all these things. And the question is this morning, are we walking with a humble heart? Are we walking with a steadfast heart towards the Lord? We need to check ourselves. We need to examine ourselves. Even if you're sitting here this morning, maybe saying, I've heard these things before. Yeah, we went over that. I was here on Wednesday night and got redundant because we just kept going over and over and over and over again. I'm tired of hearing it. That's not the mark of a steadfast heart. Because listen, we're closer now than we were then. And we see prophecy unfolding at a rapid rate around us. If you find yourself again sleeping on these things, it's high time to wake up. And ultimately, listen, I can encourage you, I can exhort you, I can get up here and flap my arms and do this and so forth. But it's it's you and your heart and you before the Lord. And you got to manage your heart. And you got to examine your life. At Judgment Day, listen, we're all standing before him individually and no one's going to say, well, he made me or she made me. Yes, if we did something to someone, we'll give an account. But ultimately, it's going to be, what did I do? Did I keep that steadfast heart? Was I examining my heart? And when it drifted, did I say, oh, Lord, get my eyes on you. Let me get back to the word and the fundamentals and these disciplines you've called me to be a disciple of the Lord, an athlete, a farmer, a soldier for Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord. Let's stand up and we'll close in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we praise you, we bless you. We give you glory. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for your steadfast heart. I thank you, Lord, that you were willing to come here to this earth. And boy, what a steadfast heart, tempted in every way, yet you never sinned. Your face set like a flint upon the cross to do the will of the Father and make that way of salvation for us. Oh, Lord God, as you were steadfast with that heart to save us, Lord, all the more, God, meet us where we are, Lord. God, help us, Lord Jesus. Lord, stir us a steadfast heart this morning, God. Help us to take these things to heart. Help us, Lord, to absolutely be a people abounding in the fear of the Lord, a reverence towards you. And even, God, with that, God, joy knowing, God, life and liberty is found when I walk with the Lord. If you're here and you haven't called upon Christ, today is the day of salvation. I'd encourage you to call on him today. Ask him to save you. Ask him to be your Lord. Ask him to meet you you where you are, even, even right now. We thank you, we praise you, God. Lord, help us to finish well here in this time, lifting our voices to you. Let's worship the Lord. Oh
Amen. Well, God bless you. I just encourage you to encourage others and have a blessed day in the Lord Jesus Christ.